0: The Business on RTE Radio 1 with AIB. It takes a certain kind of brave to run a business. We see it, we back it. Well, later we'll be talking about the easing of restrictions, but our first guest has been at the forefront of dealing with COVID for some time now. Una O'Hagan is the owner of Mars Pharmacy, a chain of nine pharmacies with also a large online presence. They're selling to over 50 countries. The company has a turnover of €22 million and employs 140 people. Una, it must have been... Very stressful running a pharmacy business during COVID, especially, I'm sure, with staff worrying about the virus.
1: It was incredibly stressful. Like, like, I mean, I can't, I suppose when you're in the midst of it, you just keep going. Um, but looking back on it, now, I, I really don't know some days how we got, actually got through it. You know, um, at the very height of this, you know, when we seen all of those scenes coming out of China, you know, Italy, Spain, the army trucks, or whatever, our teams were getting their uniforms on and coming into work and not knowing what this virus was going to actually do um, to them absolutely petrified um, and many people and Richard a lot of people don't realise this that people work in pharmacy because they want to give back and many of our team members would have underlying conditions but still they showed up every single day to an environment where they absolutely were completely exposed. We didn't have any screens at the beginning. Remember, we weren't wearing masks at the beginning. You know, that was the WHO advice at that time.
0: And they would take whatever precautions they could when when absolutely. they'd get home if they had vulnerable people at home. Well,
1: well Richard, I'll tell you, I, my team, you know, it's heartbreaking to hear, but I have so many of them who will tell me You know, arriving at their porch door, stripping naked in their porch, putting their clothes into a black sack, running up the stairs, crying their heart out, you know, because of everything that has gone on during the day and the stress of it, into the shower, scrubbing themselves, scrubbing themselves. I've even a girl who was saying that she was using, you know, a scrubbing brush to scrub under her nails because her mum was going through cancer treatment, back down the stairs, boil washing their uniform for fear of bringing the virus home into their own homes and doing that every single day, month on month on month.
0: What about this €1,000 tax-free payment that the state is making to frontline health workers? Is that something, do you think it's a good idea?
1: I think it is an excellent idea. I think that um, ultimately, you know, this is a decision for government, uh, pharmacy. Teams are not um, included in that yet, but I would say that... We should be eligible for that because um because we were going in when you know every other healthcare worker uh, was not accessible. We were the only accessible member of uh, the healthcare system. Really, you know, GP stores were closed, they were seeing people online, hospitals were closed, we were given no PPE. The only time we ever got any PPE from the state was whenever we any any pharmacy engaged in vaccinations. Is
0: is that though because and it feeds into the, the, the bonus payment as well. Pharmacies were a huge part of the, the healthcare infrastructure during all of this, Absolutely. but they are private businesses. So therefore, you know, if the thousand euro, essentially, if the state gives a thousand euro, they're the employer. You know, mm-hmm. so they say. You know, people would say, "Well, look, it's up to you to reward your staff. You're a private business."
1: Yeah, and, and that's fair to say. And this is not, a, listen, this is not a payment where I would be advocating for business owners at all. This is to recognise the frontline staff, Richard, for all of the work that they have done, and it's an, it's about a public acknowledgement of how pharmacy teams stepped up. Like the healthcare system would have toppled over without community pharmacy.
0: As a business coming out of it, and I, I hope I'm not premature in saying we're coming out of it, but restrictions are being lifted, things are beginning to to look a lot better coming out of it as a business was was it a financially tough time because again pharmacies people would say oh the pharmacies you know with antigen tests they know how to charge for these things they 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 do very well out of providing medicines and so forth. From a business point of view, what was it like?
1: Well, if I look at my own business, Richard, we have two city centre locations. We have no football there. Um, I have a pharmacy underneath a Google building down in Barrow Street. There was nobody down in Barrow Street. There still is no one down in Barrow Street. They're, they're not back in the offices, you know. What so, would
0: ordinarily be a fantastic, fantastic location. Fantastic
1: location, brilliant location, professional customer. Um, our, our trade is down 70% Thou- in Barrow thousands Street. Thousands of
0: Google staff are yeah, just not around. they're
1: just not there. They're, they're all working from home or they, they may to even be back in their country of origin, to be honest with you. So, you know, there's a perception that all pharmacies are absolutely out the door. That's not the case. I see it in my own business. Now, we have community pharmacies as well where people were working from home and so they were busier. But there's been plenty of pharmacies in city centre locations or in shopping centres at the very beginning that had no trade.
0: Looking at your own background, Una, and how Mm -hmm. you got into pharmacy, how you got into the business, let's go back to the very start. You're from... Uh, County Tyrone. Yep. You're a mountain woman. The Sparrow <laughs> <Yeah>. Mountains.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Near Gorchen or yeah, Plumbridge. That's not close. too far from Omagh.
1: isn't it? Yeah. So it's it's between Oma and Strabane as a crow flies, but right outside Gorchen, yeah, four miles outside Gorchen, a little tiny village on the top of the mountains called Plumbridge. And was business in the family growing up? Well my mum is probably a trailblazer. She's a woman that was ahead of her time. In the nineteen seventies she managed seventies and eighties and into the nineties, she managed a manufacturing plant for Cortal's laundry. Med, Brass and Nickers for Marks and Spencers. And she was one of the only, I suppose, female managers in that organisation. UK group, um, Cordals. and they had four manufacturing plants in Northern Ireland. And one of which was in Plumbridge, believe it or not. So the people who worked in that factory, she she brought women, and it was mainly women, about 200 women, one man who was a caretaker, um, across the political divide, really, and under one roof. Um, So did a huge amount of work within the community to build relationships, really, and to get... back to work
0: was she competitive against the other plants that were being run by men
1: very much so <laughs> very much so so I think that's probably where the the streak of competition comes in and and she would have won lots and lots of awards Richard for that for productivity for quality control uh, head and shoulders above all of her peers in fact one I remember her winning a huge award um on uh, increase in productivity for, for for the whole manufacturing company and this, this was across Northern Ireland and the UK and and she did a lot of work as well. Um, in trying to bring, I suppose, employment to Straban, Straban would have been actually um the worst employed the highest a- unemployment, not only in Northern Ireland, but actually in the u k. So she sat on um a lot of committees, but one in particular with Mo Molan at that time to try and bring industry to Straban and was recognized for that work that she did in the community as well.
0: so she would have been a huge influence on you. Did you work in the factory?
1: I did. <laughs> I don't know if I should say this but yeah I was underwiring <coughs> bras from a very small age and um, my, myself and all my siblings would have underwired bras or or you know I would have been in her office swinging in her chair you know pairing all of her pencils just watching and taking, soaking it all up and taking it all in you know so
0: So was that a tough job then wiring these bras was it a high skilled high speed job
1: <laughs> Well blisters I can't, I can't on my say, fingers I can't
0: say I'm an expert on it
1: <laughs> Well definitely blisters on your fingers uh, you know it was let's just say it was really repetitive work um, and it was uh, I went on for hours so no, definitely not scared of hard work yeah
0: The Sperran Mountains it's mm-hmm. a it's a beautiful area really scenic Stunning, area yeah. it's it's quite remote in the sense of small villages in, yeah. in the middle of, of these mountains what was it like during the Troubles there?
1: Um, well it was uh, you know again Richard you look back on it and you know I look at it from the eyes of an adult now um, Straban would have been a hot spot now for sure but you know, British troops would have been all over our village or whatever. That's where they would have been dropped down into our back garden. Um, they would have slept in our sheds around uh, the house, you know, so I'd go out in the morning to get turf and be stepping over British shoulders and thinking nothing of it, you know. When we'd be going in as in the school bus into Strabane, they would stop the school bus and search all our school bags. And, it, you know, it reminds me of that scene on Dairy Girls. That was our reality. We lived through that. But when you're doing that day to day growing up, you know, you don't think anything really of it. And my mum and dad did an amazing job at protecting us from all of that and making sure that you know, we didn't have this bitterness towards it, you know. But listen, you know, at that time, growing up, we, we knew it was wrong. But at the same time, it was very normalised. Um, but you that just was, take it
0: for granted. You take it for granted. You only process yeah. it afterwards, Absolute, years later.
1: Exactly. You look back at it now, kind of going, God almighty. That was crazy. That was absolutely crazy. How did we even think that was normal? Like, and
0: So you go out to get the turf and there would be a few British yeah, soldiers sleeping few, out in the shed. There would
1: be probably 20 of them. You know, sleeping, you know, and you'd be, and because it'd be camouflaged, you'd be like, you know, you'd be standing and <laughs> because they were well camouflaged or whatever. And they'd be like, all right, love, you know, you know, it was just bananas. And any activity that went on at all, they would just dig up everywhere, you know, dig up our gardens were always being dug up, all our neighbors' gardens or whatever. And, and like our neighbour would be a kilometer away, but the whole place would be dug up looking for, I don't know what they were looking for, but. And again, like my dad would just say, oh, they're digging it up again, you know, and shrug his shoulders. You know, again, oh, I don't know. You can see why certain people got very bitter about it. Um, but uh, as I said, my mum and dad did an amazing job and I'm so grateful to them. We are also grateful to them that they, they, they really protected us against all of that.
0: So you managed to stay very focused in school. You wanted to go yeah. to university. Yeah. You were interested in doing medicine,
1: Yeah, yeah. I always wanted to come to Dublin because when I was probably 16, 17, I had two aunts in Dublin, one running a pub down here and then um, another... And who was in college as well and so I, I used to come down in the summer times and look after my cousins um, and I would always take them around you know the zoo one day Phoenix Park a day and into Trinity was another haunt that I would take them and we just dander around and whatnot when their mum and dad were working so I always wanted to come to Dublin I had So it really looked
0: the city looked great uh, Trinity College yeah. the bright lights all yeah,
1: of that Yeah I used to walk through Front Square and I used to feel like the buildings were talking to me you know the couples I wanted to come to Dublin and I wanted to come to Trinity and that was it I didn't apply anywhere else and because I was doing the science subjects at A-levels I knew I was going to do science so I applied to do medicine in Trinity and then pharmacy microbiology biochemistry all the kind of science subjects and what happened was um, and I was set to come and do medicine and I got the points to do medicine and that was you know first grandchild off to be a doctor and all of the rest but the A-level results come out a week before the leaving starts so the admissions office in Trinity phoned to see if I was taking the place because obviously they needed to see how many places were left for um, for the Leaving Cert student. And in that split second, I happened to pick up the phone, happened to be in the house that day. Um, if I wasn't there, I would be a doctor now. And I said to the lady, actually, no, can you change me into pharmacy? Because I had this I suppose fear of needles because I, a, a GP had hit a bone in um, in my arm one time when I yeah. was really really young, and I have a fear of needles ever since of getting an injection. And I thought that that would hold me back, to be honest. But actually, as it turns out, like we we're doing COVID vaccines and flu vaccines and whatever, so it, giving an injection doesn't cause me any problems.
0: The receiving end. It's the
1: receiving end But I thought that that would I, I just wouldn't be the doctor that I should be. So I changed.
0: So you did pharmacy, and you found yourself working yeah. in. Mars Pharmacy in yeah, Baggett Street yeah. with a, a man called Pierce Mar.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I was living around the Baggett Street area and um, we used to always have to go and borrow reference books for college because the this book's called the Martindale's like couple of hundred quid a book or whatever so we used to have to bring it in for labs and so on so I used to always pop into Pierce on Bank Street just because he was the closest pharmacy to me so one day I asked him would he be my tutor because at that time it was a four year degree course in Trinity and then you had to spend a year with a tutor pharmacist um, before you set your professional exam and and so one day I asked him would he be my t- t- tutor I was like asking him out on a date and he said yes and hey ho I spent a year with him and it was the most wonderful year he's an incredible incredible person. He taught me everything I know about pharmacy because, like, I literally knew nothing. I couldn't apply any knowledge. I'd never had pharmacy in, in my home life or anything like that. But more than that, Richard, he, he taught me the importance of community. And, you know, he made a huge impact on my life, I suppose. And only and, for him, I wouldn't be where I am today.
0: At some point then, you thought about buying the, the yeah. shop from him yeah. and you did buy the shop yeah. from him how, yeah. did, how did that come about?
1: Well I always want, you know for that whole year I dreamt of owning it really to be honest I could see myself there I loved it I loved the vibe I didn't want to leave on my last day I bawled crying I begged him would he keep me on even as a shop guard and he was like no no no, no. you've got to go off and like fly your wings leave the nest little one type thing um, but I asked I plucked up the courage to ask him the question that I always wanted to ask him that whole entire year which was if, if you ever sell him, would you let me know? And listen, he probably if you asked him today, he probably thought, nothing off it, but he he did say, yeah, of course I will. And four years later I got that call to say that he was selling. He had an offer on the table from another pharmacy, but he he obviously remembered that he had made that promise to me and he said, Listen, I'd like to keep it in Irish hands if if we can and um, I sure I got off the call thinking, "Yay, yeah, job done!" Before realising what the price tag was, you know. Well, what was it? Two million pounds at the time. A- at what age were you? I was in my early twenties. Yeah.
0: So what did you do?
1: <laughs> so- I phoned my mom, of course. That's what I, did. I said. <laughs> Guess what? And she was like, "Oh, Una, where are you going to get this money? Because my mom and dad don't have money." You know, I had no deposit even. Um, don't come from a business background or, or whatever. So I knew, like, I had to go and talk to a bank. Like, clearly. Um, so I knocked on every door that I could. I asked anybody that I knew in business to introduce me to people. Eventually, I got a, a call from a, a guy who said that he would see me. And he told me to bring a copy of my business plan. which sure, I didn't even know what a business plan was, Richard. I didn't know business skills. Still don't have any business skills to this day. Like, I did pharmacy. We don't learn business and pharmacy in an undergrad course. So um, I went into town and I went into a bookshop and there was a book hanging off the shelf saying how to write a business plan. You know, one of these four dummies books. So I took the book, went into Trinity and wrote up a business plan and on the Monday I just knew this was my only chance. So I knew I had to give it gusto and met two guys who listened and they gave me the money and hey-ho, that's how it started. Were you worried? You must have been delighted because mm. you'd
0: had your eye mm. on this, this is something mm. you wanted. Mm-hmm. But then after you got the money, after you would maybe handed over the money to buy it, did you have a moment of, oh God, you no. know, that's two million quid?
1: No. It didn't. I guess because I didn't have any money, I had nothing to lose. I, I think that was one part of it. And then secondly, the most important thing was I knew it was going to work. Amazing confidence and belief in yourself. Yeah. Well, I think that comes from my mum, really, Richard, to be honest with you. My mum would always say to me, you know, if it's not going to be you, you know, who is it going to be? Like, you've got to stand up, pull up your big girl knickers and get, get on and do it. Like, there was no glass ceilings in our house. Like, my mum always encouraged us to do what it was that we wanted to do and go for it. And this was a golden opportunity that I had dreamt of.
0: You had lots of ideas as to, you know, how you would change things. Yeah. What did did uh, Pierce have a particular way of doing things? And he just stuck with that. And then it was an opportunity for you to do things differently. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think. Like, what kind of things did, did he do? Um, well, there, like he was amazing in terms of the dispensary element of things. Like, I mean, he was a true pharmacist and he had an amazing pharmacy team. Probably where the opportunity was and was more in the retail aspect of things. Um, For example, um, you know, we had the nuns who were a big customer There's the Convent beside Bagot Street. Um, a lot of them came in all of the time he didn't stock condoms for fear of insulting the nuns um, he didn't stock fake tan because he didn't believe that um, women should change the, their colour he just didn't think that you know
0: fake tan was too fake yeah
1: it was too fake um, so there were certain things that he really firmly believed and was very principled about um, that you know I knew that I could change um, did
0: you did you lose the nuns as customers
1: not at all no they're fantastic customers we, and, and listen we, we still look after them very well to this day but do you know and what about you know things like were you able to extend opening hours would he mm-hmm. have closed earlier or? yeah he would have closed earlier um and we like literally just extended until eight o'clock at night I worked non-stop for I think two and a half years without a day off
0: did it take you long to pay back the original loan the two million
1: no, or no we got that paid because like I was able to kind of double the turnover in a very short space of time there but then two years later I went on and bought the Ranala business as well so I was back at the bank obviously talking to them about that um and then there. I not only bought businesses from uh, existing pharmacies, but I set up a few brand new pharmacies in in Greenfield sites, as we would call it. When you look
0: ahead and you also think about, you talked about the COVID uh, challenges and staff and the pressure Mm -hmm. that everybody was under. Have you seen a change now in in relation to staff? Like, would you have lost many staff? Is it difficult to hire staff at the Mm -hmm. moment and how might that affect uh, growing the business in the future.
1: Mm. Well, we we definitely have a supply problem for pharmacies in Ireland at the moment. So we're not we are, there's not an, enough pharmacists graduating out of the pharmacy schools. And also, what I'm finding is particularly after everything we've gone through in in community pharmacy, that pharmacists are really like everybody else reprioritizing actually what it is they want to do. Reprioritizing their health and so they're not inclined to work the same amount of hours that maybe that they would have worked before. Maybe some of them are looking to go from five day weeks down to four day weeks maybe not work as many late nights but as many weekends or whatever. Priorities have completely shifted and and people are much more conscious of their overall well-being now. So you layer that in on top of that we have a supply problem already Uh, and that also goes for pharmacy team members as well. Like retail is difficult you know. So there is definitely a war, I suppose, Um, a war for talent now.
0: Una O'Hagan of Mars Pharmacy, thank you very much for joining us on the programme.
1: No problem, you're very welcome.